welcome back. I think we've all caffeined up and we've had some sugar <laughs> to keep you going as we charge through for the last part, um, last four speakers, which we're doing two sets of two. Um, my name is Emma Ferry, and I'm uh, currently working within the Department of Narrative and Interactive Arts at Nottingham Trent University of Irish Costume, and I'm delighted to be asked to chair this session. Thank you, and today, uh, this part of the afternoon, we're hearing from the world of dance. Uh, we've got uh, our first speaker, Lisa Fusillo, who's going to be um, talking about Racine's choreographic rite of passage. Um, Lisa is a professor of ballet at the University of Georgia. And after Lisa, who I'll introduce, we'll be hearing from Lucy Weir, who's at the University of Glasgow, who will be looking at a very different version, but I'll leave her and introduce her again. See, Lisa. Okay. Um, I was saying a little bit earlier, being in the room with Lynn Garfall and Stephanie Jordan, for me, is a little bit analogous to presenting my first choreography in front of Leonid Massini. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I want to thank Claire and Mike for the invitation and um, the opportunity to be here and also to Kellogg College for sponsoring this wonderful event on the day. <laughs> um, I've timed my slideshow. I am exactly one minute and 12 seconds over. <laughs> I will put up 22. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, and generally, these are going to play through. Um, I apologize in advance for slaughtering in the foreign languages that I cannot pronounce, but I will try. Seven years after the Cessé de Scandale of the Stravinsky Nijinsky Rourke Ballet, the Sacre du Quinton, Sergei Diaghilev decided to revive the ballet with new choreography by his young protege, Leonid Massine. The collaboration with Igor Stravinsky and the process of choreographing Sacre provided Massine with rich experiences for further defining his choreographic voice and expanding his movement vocabulary. Working with Stravinsky deepened Massine's understanding of counterpoint, both between movement and music, and between groups of dancers, and it became a trademark of Massine's choreography. My interest in Leonid Massine's ballets and his choreographic process began when I was a dancer and had the good fortune and the great opportunity, extraordinary opportunity, to work with him. Today in my, yes, I'm that old, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today in my, present, in my discussion of Massine's Sacre, I will, I will offer my personal experience and perspective on Massine's theories of choreography and elements that influenced his creative process. Chosen by Diaghilev to replace Vaslav Nijinsky as leading dancer and choreographer for the Ballet Russe, Massine did not have the technical prowess or the bravura technique of his predecessor, but he had a spark on stage that captured Diaghilev's attention. Leaving behind his aspirations for an acting career, Massine was mentored by Diaghilev in painting, sculpture, music, and the creative process, and the collaborative process. He achieved enormous success with his early ballets, particularly Parade 1917, which was a scandalous premiere, La Boutique Fantasque in 1919, which charmed audiences, and Le Tricorne, also 1919, which was an instant success and one of his greatest masterpieces. With these and other successful ballets later in his career, Massine's 1920 version of Le Sacre du Printemps is often overlooked, especially with the attention given to his 1930 version 
when Martha Graham danced The Chosen Maiden. Nassim Sapra premiered in the same theater as the original production, Théâtre de Champs-Élysées, and was the last ballet created, uh, that Massing created under Diaghilev's tutelage. He, um, I'm not going to get into the background of it, but he was dismissed shortly after the premiere from the company, and he fell in love, and there we go, uh, and embarked on a long and remarkable choreographic career, using the tools that he had developed during his baptism by fire education in the collaborations with extraordinary artists and musicians. Lynn Garfola has written extensively about the influences, the impact of these designers on Massine. But just to give a brief example, and I'm getting a little behind, new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Natalia Goncharova and uh, Mikhail Larionov exposed Massine to Russian futurism and gave him a taste for experimentation. Henri Matisse and André Guerin introduced elements of modern art. Pablo Picasso introduced principles of cubism. And Robert and Sonia Deloni helped Massine explore other artistic movements, including abstraction. In examining Massine's choreography for Sacra, it was evident that the things I learned while working with Massine were important elements in his movement inventions and were also used in creating Sacra. And I want to make a note here that these were things I learned personally working right next to him long, long, long before I ever embarked on any research into his background. First was the importance of liturgy, his first ballet that was never produced. He spoke of it often. Second, the inspiration that he drew upon from Fouillet's dance notation from groupings and patterns. His obsession and determination to find and define rules for choreography. Four, his very strong connection to music and to the use of counterpoint that he said, quote, without which any effective ballet is impossible, end quote. And lastly, the importance of collaborations with artists and musicians um, for the ballets that proposed by Diaghilev. I will touch on each of one of these along the way. Massine's ballets prior to Sacra were influenced, edited, and modified by the collaborators that Diaghilev provided, particularly Mikhail, uh, Mikhail Larionov, as well as by Diaghilev himself. The influence of these artists, of the artists who designed the sets and costumes for the ballets, cannot be ignored, as each had an impact on the choreography. And Lynn, again, writes very extensively about this. She says, if this is Lynn Garfola, I quote, if before dance had been an equal, now it became a subordinate of design, with the goal of the choreographer being to enhance the inventions of the scenic painter and costumer. What greater work to exemplify that than Parade with the two managers? wonderful cubistic costumes that become the design which are about a 10 feet tall. 10 feet tall, and the movement had to be something that characterized, that created a characterization, yet dealt with this costume. These collaborative challenges seem to enhance Massine's inventiveness in creating a new movement vocabulary and style. Even though the choreographic decisions were not his alone, Vincente Garcia Marquez wrote, quote, with each work he enriched and extended his choreographic language, end quote. 
His reputation as a performer and choreographer was solidifying and growing stronger with each successful ballet. Garcia Marquez summed up Massine's choreographic development in this way. With Midnight Sun, Kika Mora, which later became part of Comp Russe, and Las Maninas, Massine served his choreographic apprenticeship. The good-humored ladies, Comp Russe and Parade, were his initiation into the ranks of the profession. And Boutique Fantasque and Lutricorn led to his consecration as a hero in a new balletic age." End quote. By all accounts, oh, excuse me. By all accounts, Massine took charge of the choreography for Sacha, focusing on his collaboration with Stravinsky, without intervention or editing by a designer, as the ballet used the original sets and costumes. Although I have to make a little note here that um, they did change uh, Sokolova's uh, costume because it was too heavy. Massine worked diligently with Stravinsky, discarding the previous libretto and learning the musical structure. Stravinsky, who had famously praised Nijinsky's writing, was thrilled to work with Massine on a new version, citing that Nijinsky's movements had been, quote, too synchronized with the music, end quote. In his autobiography, Massine wrote that he thought he could, quote, avoid Nijinsky's air by attempting a counterpoint emphasis between it, the music, and the choreography, by creating a choreographic bridge over certain passages of music and not counting every bar and every note. End quote. Lydia Sokolova, who danced the chosen maiden in Massine's Sacra, confirmed this idea of a bridge. She wrote, quote, I danced. I met the orchestra precisely at the two places where I should, and we finished together. <laughs> Stravinsky stated that, quote, Massine does not follow the music note by note or even measure by measure. Take, for example, this measure of four, followed by one of five. Massine's dancers stress a rhythm of three times three, end quote. Stravinsky felt that Massine had created, quote, a free connection of the choreographic construction with the musical construction, end quote. Sokolova had danced in the original Nijinsky version in 1913. She wrote, quote, the music of Sacra was of course familiar, but Massine's new version of the ballet was very different than Nijinsky's. This was a typical Massine production, clear-cut and methodical, oh yes, with each grouping like mad counting against the others, but each holding its own. In Massine's choreography, nothing was ever left to chance. If anybody was in doubt about what he had to do or why he had to do it, he only had to ask and everything was explained, even if you didn't understand. Nijinsky's work was a vague work, far less complicated and accurate than Messine's." End quote. From my own experience with Mess in working with Messine, I can attest to how exacting and precise he was about his choreography. <laughs> Whether we were restaging a ballet or creating new choreography, he knew exactly what he wanted. It had to be there, even at the age of 80. The movement for Massine's soccer was inspired by Russian peasant dances, which he said, quote, were strengthened by angular and broken lines, which in turn, oops, sorry, which in turn were inspired by Byzantine mosaics, reminiscent of his preparation for his first ballet, Liturgy. And this is a, a photo of uh, Massine and Sokolova 
with those angular broken lines on the Debbie point that should look familiar. And I've added a couple extra um, photographs of his later ballets that you continue to see this overhead angular, angular line and open hand. Harkening back to Stravinsky's original title for his score, Scenes from Pagan Russia, the program notes for the Massine Sacra stated that it was, quote, a spectacle of pagan Russia divided into two parts and has no subject. It is choreography. It is choreography freely created to the music, end quote. Massine also used the Ralph Lier 18th century dancing manual as a point of departure for inspirations on groupings. This is um, a copy uh, from the Fouillet manual, and you can see the shapes and designs and an excerpt from Sokolova's description of Massine's soccer. She talks about um, that the concertina-like moves <coughs> were whirling around, you get the analogy there. Sokolova recalled in her memoirs, the steps that Massine had invented for my sacrificial dance bore so little relation to any kind of dancing that had ever been done before, and were so violently contrasted one with the other, and followed each other so swiftly with such sudden changes of rhythm, that I think I gave the impression I was a creature galvanized by electric current. <laughs> and I was reminded of this when Lynn spoke this morning about the spasms in the Dijinsky version. It, it, it carried through that idea. She also referred to her solo as, quote, perhaps the most extraordinary dance ever invented, end quote. All of the qualities that Massing's choreography is known for, the speed of movement, and if I have time at the end, I will tell you a story about teaching that speed of movement, the angularity of gestures and movements, dramatic tableau, fusion of classical ballet steps with his more modern movement, characterizations and stylized gestures, and importantly, the counterpoint in both music and groups on stage were formulated under the watchful eye and careful guidance of Diaghilev and came together in Massine's Sacra like a dissertation on creative invention that defined his choreographic voice. Um, I prepared a, a very detailed chart of what I felt were the ballets and his progression of development of choreographic tools and then insp uh, inspirations. It was much too detailed to put on a slide, so this is a very, very abbreviated version, generally simplified just to give you sort of one by one, and it's not to say that things weren't carried through. I'm just trying to highlight um, individual points in each of the ballets. Um, in creating this abstract ballet, Massing used more of the classical vocabulary and less of the exaggerated gestures that he had been using for the characterizations in his other ballets. Sokolova exemplifies this in her description of performing a grand jeté en tournant, which then falls to the side, off to the ground, and in her solo. And Massine writes um, of complex jetés and other terre-à-terre -terre twisted steps." End quote. Understanding the value of ballet training, Massine continued to do daily bar exercises throughout his life, Based on his lessons with Enrico Cicchetti from 19, private lessons with Enrico Cicchetti from 1914 to 1916, he diligently recorded those lessons using the classical vocabulary, writing in both French and Russian. Um, this is the cover of the notebook. That's just to show you how small the notebook was, and I know they're not very good pictures. 
Um, but here you can see he's written in Russian, the French recording the exercise, and then a little description with Russian and French interspersed. Um, the last slide, I want to draw your attention to this little doodle, which I thought was a little doodle. It actually means assemble over and assemble under, reversing, forward and back, or over and under. And um, I was intrigued by this little doodle because you will note that he uses it again in the eyebrows of the Chinese conqueror. Mass many years later, Massin used the Stepanov notation system to work out and record his theories of choreography. And this is just a page. Oh, no, 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 too fast. This is a page from um, his theory of choreography. And um, this is head, arms, legs. It is a Stepanov notation, but everything indicates um, flexion, extension, and direction, 45 degrees, 90 degrees, 180 degrees. Um, but I thought it would be fun to show you in 1915, he's writing out um, in longhand his, his classes with Chikendi, and then by 1978, he's using the Stepanov notation. The premiere of Massin's Sacre in 1920 was not a resounding success. It had very mixed reactions. Jean Mernier called it, quote, an explosion of life, end quote. But Richard Capel was dismissive. Quote, the Stone Age, new version, is a bore, end quote. The London Times called the ballet a pass passionless ritual. However, it remained in the repertory of the company. And when the ballet revived it in 1929 without Massin, the Times recorded the ballet was a great success and declared Massine's version, quote, the true landmark. It is the charter of modern ballet. After its first presentation, Leonid Massine designed a choreography which not only freed it from the vulgarity of storytelling, but, it, but even ensued any recognizable symbolism. The Sacra is absolute ballet and we are assured that it will become to be regarded as having significance for the 20th century equal to Beethoven's choral symphony in the 19th century. Sergei Gregoriev, company regisseur, wrote that after the final performance of that 1929 uh, version, Diaghilev remarked, so the public has accepted it at last. It has taken 16 years to persuade them, end quote. And I like to put a little note, and of course, it was Massine's version that was so convincing. With Sacra, Massine achieved the creation of a work in which he, first and foremost, had the primary responsibility for choreographic decisions. With no designers editing his work, <coughs> relying on his own talent, intuition, and imagination, and foreshadowing the strength of his creative voice yet to come. Sacre was the completion of his education under Diaghilev and, if you will, his rite of passage to becoming an independent choreographer. As Diaghilev's chosen one, Massine learned well from his mentor and revealed a talent and genius for choreographic invention that led, led Diaghilev to say that Massine had, quote, the most brilliant mind I have ever met in a dancer. Nope, we can't do that yet. Can't do that yet, sorry. <laughs> Close, but not yet. The most brilliant mind I have ever met in a dancer. Um, listen carefully, this is um, from an excerpt from 
a documentary on the creation of Parag, which the other little excerpt was also. But listen to what he says about um, expression. It's always exciting to be with my team, but you just never knew really where he was going. A dancer. You never knew where he was going. <laughs> <laughs> Rhythm. Precision and clarity. I have to say, we thought he was out of his mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's asking us to do strange things with our face. Imagine that, using your face. <laughs> I further suggest that creating Sacra laid the groundwork for Massine's exploration of his, quote, choreographic principles analogous to those in music, end quote, which he later defined in his book, Theory of Choreography. In conversations with Massine later in his life, and I mean very late in his life, he considered his book and his theory of choreography to be his life's work, even more than his ballets, and he wanted it to be his greatest legacy. After Sacra, Massin continued to make innovations in choreography, most notably with his symphonic ballets, in which he further explored abstraction and ballet. And in the 1930s, he also produced some of his most popular and enduring operetta ballets, Le Beau-Danube and Gaieté Parisienne. Massin's choreography affected many dancers who worked with him, and one of the greatest dancers in Massin's later ballets was Frederick Franklin. I'd like to end my presentation by going slightly off course and pay a, a very brief tribute to Frederick Franklin, whom we just recently lost. The video clip that I have chosen is the waltz from Gaieté Parisienne, one of Freddie's favorite dances, and is particularly meaningful to me as I had the opportunity to dance it with him in a rehearsal. So if you will indulge me, Freddie Franklin, Hobbies, the over and under port bra.
And I have to tell you, while you're watching, as much as they have done a wonderful job putting the music to this, I will tell you. This. Okay. That um, musically is not right. Da da dee da 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 da. My head. It was really fast. as pretty as I have ever. Thank you for your attention. Thank you.